When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan. And together with my co-host, Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And, breaking news, Dave Watson. I'm still here. I know. Glad that was are. quicker, wasn't it? That was quicker than last time. That was very less good. of a pause. Yeah, very, very good. Still so, a little so, pause. Still, like you were waiting uh, to see which way the keeper goes before <laughs> pick the spot. Yeah, pick the spot. How are you, Dave? I'm all right. Uh, I think I'm sick of the job that I'm in, and I want to change again. Uh, but yeah, it's, okay. it's one of those things, isn't it? After a couple of years at a at a, at a company, I'm just a bit get a bit. Antsy, just want a bit, bit change, a bit difference. Okay. So, anyone at your work listen to this podcast? <laughs> I think everybody at my work knows my position. <laughs> I'm looking for something else. So it's fine. Okay. Well, if any employers out there are looking for, um, Go on, what do I do? What do what I do? do? Well, you're very good with stats. You're, um, you're very good at getting involved with um, journalists on Twitter. Yeah. You're smart as a whip. That's just Thanks. smart as a whip. What do, I can work, I can work yeah. well in a team and on my own. Wow. No, it's true, actually. I don't actually yeah. know what you do. Dave, you do something to do with data analysis? Nailed it. I'm a data analyst. Oh, I thought you were an ambassador. 
Why do I think that? It's because of all these Ferrero Rocher I've got behind me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's uh, analyse the data. Here's a little bit of data for you to analyse. Arsenal, uh, Newcastle United, nil. Arsenal, three. Dave Watson, what is your analysis of that? Well, I think I said in the, the WhatsApp chat that the first half, I think my exact words were, this isn't horrible. I think I think I was basically saying, look, it's we're not playing well in the first half, but it, it, it's not abject. You know, we were defending okay and we were um I don't know we weren't creating anything and we were still giving the ball away lots and we were but then we weren't under a lot of pressure and then the second half that was as soon as that first goal went in heads dropped there was no there's no bite anymore it was so passive so easy to play through basically Arsenal didn't show up in the first half so we looked okay in comparison and the minute they turned up we were done. And after that, it was just a case of how many are they going to score and how up for it are they? Because we just weren't. I mean, I, I, we can get on to individual performances in a minute if you want, but overall, if that's gloves off, fucking hell, what's Bruce playing at? Like, <laughs> there was no difference. Because gloves on, we were, were passive, we... We don't keep the ball. We don't create anything. Um, there's no intensity. We always play too deep. Now we're always relying on the keeper to make loads of good saves. And then gloves off. It was exactly the same. So uh, just to uh, put some context to your um, comments there, in case anyone didn't uh, get that reference, Steve Bruce did say in the aftermath of the uh, diabolical Sheffield United performance that from now on he was going to start doing things his way which interestingly um, sort of led to the question well what the fuck have the last 18 months been about (laughs) Um, uh, now it was time for him to do things his way and uh, from now on it would be a case of gloves off gloves off that phrase that refers to boxing right to yeah. Right, so that's what that's about, right? So now the Arsenal performance was a bare knuckle fist fight, right? That's the implication. Yeah, isn't the idea of gloves that they don't they protect your own knuckles? So we've taken the gloves off, and it's. Do you see what I'm saying, Paul? Thought you can of. run with that, or you can just tell me what you thought of the Arsenal game. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a bit more in prostate exam terms. <laughs> the right. gloves are off. Sure. Uh, yeah, We've I come think away with a nasty infection. It was an odd. It was all a reaction to the Sheffield United performance, where we we picked a very defensive five at the back, and Steve Bruce's reaction to that with the Arsenal game. Okay, four four two, much more open, trying to get higher up the pitch, and you just think it's fairly obvious those two selections should have been the other way round, just because we were abject against Sheffield United. Like you don't just say, well, we're going to really go for it in the next game. You have to play the team that's in front of you. That's something that you said in the past where he, he went with uh, 4-4-2 against West Ham and it worked. And then he went with 4-4-2 against Brighton and it fundamentally didn't. So he just ditched it immediately mm. rather than say, well, let's work on this 4-4-2. Let's get this 4-4-2 
you know, make slight changes to either personnel or instructions or, or like, or like where they are on the pitch in a four four two. He just ditched it and went to a five at the back, and then he switched again. So yeah, back to what you said. This me quite a bit as like me on Football Manager, where it's just the amount of thought that goes into it is very little. Like if I keep on losing, then it's like oh well, fuck it. I'll just change to attacking, and I'll try four four two. And oh, I'll just put these players in. They feel attacking. But it didn't feel like there was a lot of thought gone into it. So, for example, we've ended up with up front, Wilson and Carroll together, which in theory could be a potentially moderately exciting prospect. Something could come from that. But though, if you're going to have two strikers in the middle, one of them being Andy Carroll, then in theory you should have someone capable of putting in a cross but our two wide players were Miguel Almiron who can sometimes put in a cross but you wouldn't say that that's like his a main feature of his game and Joe Linton on the left where on the bench we've got players like I'll just keep banging the buck jump for Jacob Murphy because I don't think he's like this amazing footballer. He's getting better every game he misses, though. So. Yeah. He's the only player in our squad this season who's put in a cross yeah. that looked slightly uh, threatening. And, and, you've also, and, and not, only, not only did we have, as our um, two forward wide players, Joe Linton and, um, and Almiron, but at right back, we had uh, Kraft. Who is, you know, we've got about four choices for right back. If you're going to have a, a right back who's going to put in a cross, Kraft is probably the, the lowest down that list in his ability to do that. It's, yeah. yeah. And I, I agree with that. And what, what made that, that starting lineup even, even more baffling is that when, when he did eventually take Andy Carroll off, he, he replaced him with Murphy. So the guy that should be getting on the end of the crosses goes off the pitch and the person who should have been providing the crosses to that person goes onto the pitch who can who now has nobody to aim for for the crosses. And then when you've got someone like John Joe Shelby from set piece and open play, his delivery, which is the thing that he's supposed to be on the pitch for, was fucking terrible. Yeah. He was hitting the first man and it was his corner that led to, I don't know how to describe it because it's like, they immediately countered, but we repelled that counter and had a counter of our own. But then they countered that counter, and it was it by the like he was he was a passenger through that whole. That was the second goal, wasn't it? Yeah, for that whole period of play, he was an absolute passenger. I just like Steve Bruce aside for the minute. There are some individuals in that team who aren't doing the bare minimum for you know for their their role. Shelby is. In my eyes, he's chief among them. Where he's just he's he's selfish, he's lazy, and it's costing us points and costing us, you know, costing us games. Mm. So often, I think surely he can run faster than that. Because it <laughs> sort of does an impression of someone who's pressing the player on the ball. He does an impression of someone... He doesn't just stand there like Berbatov or something. He has an impression of someone who's trying to make an attempt to put pressure, but he, 
he just does not look like he's ever sprinted in his life. No, he um, looks like he's carrying shopping. Yes. Two shopping bags and his head's down. I think it's like not just him. You notice it when we watch other teams, when they're trying to get the ball off us. They do this, like, weird tackling thing. <laughs> sort of thing. We should, we should give that a go. <laughs> we just don't... It we seem to just put what we call pressure, which is just being near... The, like, you saw it with Kraft against Aubameyang for the first mm. goal, where it's just, I'm going to make sure I'm a metre away from you at all times. And just which I can I, I can understand like you know giving giving somebody like that a bit of space because Obama Yang has the pace to to leave someone like Kraft behind if he's if he's like touch tight then then he you know Obama Yang can spin Kraft so give him a bit of space that's fine but like you say if he if he does start to go past you clap for him like yeah we've got we have we had two was it two right backs on the bench. Think yeah, it was two. It's Mankilo and, and, and yeah. both on the bench. So Clattering. Like, and also, and Richie and Murphy, who can also play a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, let's go with Mankilo, our fifth choice. Mankio can he can put in a ball. He's not he's not great, but he can put in a, a cross better than Kraft can. He can defend, in my opinion, as well as Kraft. So what 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 did Kraft bring to the team that couldn't have been provided by one of the other four fucking right backs? What did Shelby bring to the team? And the, these aren't like, oh, he had a bad game, therefore he shouldn't have started. Before the game kicks off, you see Kraft as the, the right back choice against Arsenal, and you're immediately going, What? We've got yeah. other options who are better in at every department. Shelby, I just want to go back to it because I want an opportunity to moan as well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm bogarting the moan. No, it's fine. Shelby's set pieces, he does obviously have ability on that. That's how he's managed to, I presume, live in a nice big house with lots of really horrible white leather furniture. (laughs) But like... That's how he's managed to become a millionaire. Shelby does have an ability to deliver a ball. But I don't understand how any Premier League set-piece, like corner taker, first-choice corner taker, cannot get a half-decent corner into the box nine out of ten times. I've never quite understood that. There obviously must be a reason, but I feel like, I must have said this on the podcast before, I feel like it should be like, hitting 20 for a darts player you just keep it just repetition that mm. should be a pretty simple thing to do certainly to clear the first man mm. i think the the it used to be the case that you just get the ball into the mix because you were playing with like big strong center halves and center forwards so like that that was the aim to get the ball into the mix whereas now it's because strikers are more slight than they used to be in the past. The idea is to to whip the ball at the near post so you can get a glancing header or or to to get it in that sweet spot just be like almost like between the defenders and the keeper. That's that's the corridor that they're aiming for, which is a difficult it's a difficult skill. But if you hit the first man every like two times in a row, 
stop doing it. It's not yeah. your day. Start also, putting the ball into the mix. And also, that may be the case for a lot of teams, but it's not like we're playing with Perez and Almiron up front anymore. No, that's We fair. had in the box, we had Carroll, Joe Linton, Lascelles, Kieran, Kieran Clark, Clark, who scored plenty of headers. Wilson. I think the other annoying thing about the set-piece delivery is so many times we concede after we've had a free kick or a corner because we just waste the chance. We have everyone forward and we end up over... I I think there is a genuine case for us just any time we get a corner, just, like, declining it. (laughs) Tell the keeper to take the goal kick. Or just do what supposedly footballers did in the 70s and just get it into the mix and when you get a corner you don't need everyone to go up no well, certainly, in a certainly it's one or the other if you are going to get everyone up then please get it past the first man. <laughs> yeah. and if you want to do like if if you don't have the ability to put it in that corridor and you don't have the strikers or the centre-halves to get on the end of it play a short corner, keep possession and try and whip in across from a different direction or try and play a through ball. Do something different, but we're not. We're just consistently hitting the first man. We're not like switching it up and going, well, it's not working. Let's do a short corner. It's just first man, first man, fuck, we've conceded. But I think it's like, well, any time we try a short set piece, it'll be one pass, then three passes back to Darlow and then a yeah, long fair. ball. Yeah, I'm not interested in the field. I feel like we're a side that could do with like Graham Taylor, England manager style management. <laughs> cause, cause we, we don't um, have an ability to string three or four passes together. For example, the idea of a short corner or something just gives more opportunities for things to go wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whereas Graham Taylor, Carlton Palmer into the box and, Lump it up there. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I'm on record as saying that Sam Allardyce is overrated, that Sam Allardyce is an arrogant cunt, Sam Allardyce is, you know, a long ball merchant. Sam Allardyce is better than Steve Bruce. He would have us playing turgid, but better football than yeah. Look, I, I've hated Sam Allardyce for years. He really annoys me, but I actually think he's. I actually think he's underrated by football fans because he because he's sort of a joke in a Steve Bruce way. He's a big fat northern man. Well, he's from the Midlands, isn't he? But he's a big fat bloke who drinks pints of wine and and is annoying. He's a Dickens he, character. Let's be but honest. he actually do, he actually does what Steve Bruce is sort of supposed to do, which is he he does. Uh, he has a record, a really good record, Sam Allardyce, of uh, in being put into situations and doing the job that is asked of him. And what he did at Bolton for years was actually really impressive. And he's actually, for the Premier League, was actually quite a like progressive manager with all his, what is it, Prozone? Yeah. All that. In terms of an analysis, he was like quite a, like... You know, you know, his backroom team was always about ten people, wasn't it? it wasn't that mm. the the reason he didn't get a lot of jobs was because he had such a huge background team because of Prozone and things like that. 
I would put Sam Allardyce more in a sort of like Roy Hodgson yeah. category. Yeah. I think he deserves to be a lot higher up than Stubbers. So I love stats and, and, and analysing shit. And what it strikes me is that somebody told Sam Allardyce that there's, they call it the, I think it's the area of maximum opportunity, which is like part of the 18-yard box where these these are where 90% of goals are scored or something like that. And if you get the ball into that area as, as often as possible, you will score goals. Doesn't matter how they get in there, just get that ball into there. So like long throws, long balls, um, corners, free kicks, anything, just get the ball into that mix. And he's clung on to that and he's not let it go for, what, 15, 20 years? That's that's how he plays. And it is effective to a glass ceiling. And then beyond that, he, he can't manage a club with aspirations to Europe. I know he managed it with Bolton, but that was aberrant. West Ham, Everton, Newcastle. He just dragged us down to the relegation fight. Kept us up. Like he 100% would have kept us up. He would 100% keep most teams in the Premier League keep keep them up, but he's just not, he can't get past that because he's fixated on this. We'll just get the ball in there. And that's that's the problem with Alvarez. The problem with Bruce, he hasn't got a style. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like genuinely, he, I saw a quote from Richie DeLate, uh, uh, a defender that he used to have at um, Aston Villa. And he said, training with Bruce was, was terrible. He would, basically throw the ball into the middle of us and say, right, lads, let's go and or let's play as if they were just like an under nines team and just like have a kick around and just, just play around with the football. He's like, it's not, it wasn't training. We didn't work on set pieces. We didn't work on pass and move or anything. Sure. I mean, but that's what, um, it might certainly might not be suited to the era we're in now, but that's what like a lot of players who played under Keegan in the 90s talk about in glowing terms. We never did any tactics. We just like, he just gave us a ball and said play and it was amazing and that's why we were so good. I mean, if Steve Bruce is, has something, my sense is that it is, uh, he has an ability in terms of motivation and man management. It seems pretty clear that that is not working currently. Yeah. I think the last few games, the games where the players don't seem to be playing for him. The heads seem to have dropped. The, the body language is that of players who are resigned to... I mean, normally you see players playing like that and they know the manager's getting sacked. The problem is they're going to probably be like that for a while because it's going to take, I would think, us getting into the bottom three for him to get sacked. I would have thought the idea of like... Oh, I never quite understand the idea of players not playing for a manager. I'm sure there are some bad apples who would go that level, but I would have thought what's more likely to be going on is that they have lost confidence in themselves yeah. and in the whatever system that they're playing. They're like, they don't, they've lost confidence in the manager as well. So they don't, they don't believe in whatever tactics they're playing that night. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a conscious thing. I think it's a subconscious thing where you can tell they don't believe in the plan they're being asked to go out and do. It's normally... Mm. like we remember when Danny Guthrie got sent off after Keegan left and there was that sort of... There's usually a dodgy red card in that kind of period as well, like Ryan Fraser the other week. That that spoke of just unfitness 
but also frustration with the situation he's in. Yeah. I mean, you, you, it, you, Brian, Brian Fraser's kind of like, when we're talking about Shelby not pressing and about a lot of our players just never putting in a tackle, Ryan Fraser is actually a player who's like really busy and, yeah. and has a lot of energy and does uh, run around getting the ball off players. But he must have so much pent-up frustration from... He didn't play for about six months before he signed for us. He must have so much pent-up energy... That, I mean, mm. that may have resulted in what happened there. But I, I would put um, a lot of money on what Paul says, that it will be somebody like... Um, I don't think it will be like John Joe Shelby, because I only think he gets red cards and yellow cards when he's feeling aggrieved, and I don't think he cares enough. I think it'll, it will be someone like Ryan Fraser or like um, Andy Carroll or someone like like that, who who does give a shit, is frustrated that the, the players around him aren't, you know, they might be working at like 80-90% of what's required and he'll get frustrated with them and lash out and get a red card. It's Lascelles. It's going to be Lascelles. There is a weird sort of <laughs> cyclical feeling, seeing Lascelles on the pitch when we brought Elliot Anderson on. It did remind me of under McLaren when Lascelles was that, kid who was getting a chance and coming off going nobody gives a shit it feels like we're in that same position now just quite a few years on mm. yeah so um shall we i mean there's no point sort of going through every goal i think we sort of anal- analyzed the yeah. the general feel of that game so should we have a break now and then we'll go on to uh, social media and that will cheer everyone up If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. You're here with Fergie, Davy, and Paul. Uh, <laughs> never, great, never call me that again. <laughs> great guys, great, great break, Fergie. Great break. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, a bit, off. Feel a bit ill. Might as well go in on uh, Twitter. Paul put out the call today on the Newcastle Matter account, and uh, I'm just going to do what I always do and read these blind, <sighs> and um, and see what's. Just, I'm just going to take the temperature of uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Long time listener, regular tweeter, Thomas Burkhan says, "How about we all support Macclesfield next season?" Just for a laugh, uh, Teague says, "Which players have regressed the most under Bruce under the past few games? Have the past few games been the worst you've ever seen the team play?" 
I would say it's hard to think of anyone who's regressed more than Sean Longstaff, whether that's down to his injury or not. If you think not that long ago, Man United were talking about coming in with a £50 million offer. Yeah. Yeah. I also think there's a case to be made for Almiron because although he only had six months under the previous manager and he, you know, scored a few last season... I think his um, importance to the team and his performances have, have waned the longer that Bruce has been in, in charge. And I think Almiron could have been one of our most important players, but now now he's bit part, which is a real shame. Moved a bit under Bruce. I'm not giving saying that that's down to Bruce. I think that might no. have been down to being in the Premier League for a while. But you'd think he did improve a little bit under Bruce. And I also agree that he's deteriorated certainly in terms of his importance to the team because he did feel like he was going to be a player who could really in the way that we talk about St. Maximin now as like well we're waiting for St. Maximin to come back and he can be a game changer for us Almiron at one time felt like he was going to be that kind of player for us and he's he's not even really guaranteed a start that I won't go I won't go into it too much, but I think that's more to do with like how shit the central midfield's been performing. So we haven't had the ball, so we can't get him on the ball in, in decent position. So he doesn't impact the game. Yeah, I was slagging him off. On the, I was slagging him off on the WhatsApp group. We could so many references to the WhatsApp group. <laughs> but I was slagging him off a bit on that, and then he did do something quite good. He went on quite a long run and made something happen and we just we see that from him like once every three games or something he was our best player against Arsenal apart from Darlow maybe yeah 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 and I think what you Darlow he's he's improved under Bruce that's not yeah he's improved under Bruce Darlow is another regression one who I think slips under the radar is Lejeune who was looking so important for us before yeah, you could make the same argument for Shah. Shah was he, yeah. he, he was like he was our defender of the year and then very quickly was calamitous. I think as well, in a way, Wilson, even though he started the season really well, had, I don't know if he's just tired, but he's not, he's not getting at the races. He, he's just not getting service. I don't know if that's him uh, so much as... The, the the entire team is playing badly. The entire team is regressing, and mm. so the individuals that you would like hope to perform well either aren't getting on the ball or are under so much pressure they're making mistakes. So maybe it's all Bruce's well, fault. Okay. Callum Wilson Wilson has for most of his Premier League career played for a team where. He doesn't get many chances a game, but he manages to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he wasn't getting many chances a game for us at the beginning of the season. But like against the last few games, I felt like he has not looked sharp. Mm. He has had half opportunities in the. He's not looked as sharp as he had at the beginning. I think he has that problem a bit that I don't know. Uh, Shearer had the end under Rude Hullet where he's he's coming so deep to get the ball 
because he's just not involved in games. And when he does get it, he's got his back to goal and three players to beat. Whereas mm. before, he was sort of finding those spaces. And and similar to Shearer, um, he doesn't have the players around him to to like take the load off a bit and to to provide for him or be the one provide you know taking up taking up a defender because some maximum's been missing mm. that he some maximum would occupy at least one of the defenders but currently like they could they could just you know throw a ball of string and Joe Lennon would go off chasing that instead of doing his job so he's not exactly it's not getting the help. Yeah, I still think I know I say this every week and keep banging this drum. But if we a four-two-three-one, if you think when they're all fit of having St. Maximum, Almiron, and Fraser behind Wilson, there mm. would there would be a lot of service there. I think. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, but I just <laughs> I can't see Bruce doing that. I don't. I don't think he, he he knows how to set up a a team to play that that way well. Well, I think there was the game at the end of last season where he tried it with Longstaff as a number ten. I think it was against West Ham or Bournemouth, and we looked very good under it. It's not a system alien to him. It's not a system alien to the players. But yeah, I don't, we just look so short on confidence and creativity. Nobody, anyone who gets the ball wants to pass it sideways or backwards. Nobody's brave on the ball. I do think some maximum coming back will make a difference. Definitely. I, it was something you mentioned. It was like you wanted to see Matty Longstaff play a forward ball. And this is a kid who, he doesn't seem to play with a lot of fear. I, I was surprised that he was so negative and it, it made me think that perhaps he was instructed to, to you know, play it safe, play it, you know, play the percentage pass, play it back, keep it tidy because Matty Longstaff's not the kind of player I would have expected to to be afraid. I think sometimes that ball just isn't on as well, though. I think, I think, I don't think they're instructed, you'd only be instructed to sort of keep hold of possession if you're trying to play that sort of game I think we were clearly set up to counter-attack against Arsenal but anytime Longstaff gets it he's got Shelby either next to him or 10 yards behind him and then Mm. a massive gap up to Carroll and Wilson or you can try and find Joel Linton but you sort of think as well players have lost faith in playing it to each other because they just know it's going to come back I think there's mm. just so little confidence around. Yeah. No one wants to be the one who loses the ball because um, they know one of them's going to do it within the next three or four passes. Want to do that one? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep on going. Um, Guy Abrahami says, "Will we sign any players this window? Mm, maybe loans." Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. We've um, still got the two domestic loan sp- spots available, so it would be crazy not to take advantage of them there's a rumour about oh god Hamza Leicester yeah Hamza Chowdhury from Leicester Brandon Williams that's his name yeah so we could get a couple more bodies in but there'll be loan signings rather than the £35 million centre midfielder that we're clearly crying out for Uh, I don't know maybe Hamza Chowdhury could you know, he's a bit of an unknown quantity, but maybe he could do something for us in midfield. Who was our last good loan uh, signing? 
It's hard to think Rondon. of Loic Remy. Rondon? Oh, yeah, Rondon, of course. And Kennedy, Kennedy's first stint? Yeah. Was Dubravka alone initially? Yeah, he was, actually. Prove my point. So there's what about, loads. Uh, I forget his name, the Dutch left-back. Willems. Willems, Willems yeah. Yeah. And there's rumours he might come back. I'd be yeah. happy with that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Guy Abrahami also asks, we all know Bruce has to go, but is there an available manager that could do a worse job than him? Is Joe Kinnear still alive? Let's just say. Is there an available manager that could do a worse job than him? Well, me? Yeah, I think they definitely <laughs> are. Yeah. yeah you don't John know. Carver's probably not in a job. If Joe Kinnear was hired to replace Bruce, oh, well, there you go. If Joe Kinnear mm. was hired to replace Bruce, which player name in our current squad will he most likely mispronounce? Ooh. A lot of candidates. Uh, um, I mean, St. Maximum would definitely get mangled. Can you he'd, he'd be called Maxi Pads, I think. <laughs> we've got where, yeah, we've got Javier, um, Javier Manquillo's coming back. That <laughs> yeah. Andre Yedlon. Yeah. We've got a few, haven't we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably get a bit of Martin Dubrovnik. <laughs> Who was it that was calling him Dubrovnik? We got was it Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy, that's it. Tweet here from Rob Farkerson. He says, given the way the last 10 games or so have gone, Bruce's demeanour in front of the press and the players on the pitch, Ashley's attitude towards the club and the constant takeover, chaos slash inertia, why doesn't everything just fuck off and leave me alone? <laughs> no, that's more of, sort of like... It's more just sort of dark poetry. I think it's a fair point, though. We are in such a bizarre, awful year. And it's, it's really annoying watching fans of other clubs getting to have their mind taken off the situation by their teams. Mm. And if anything, we're being pushed into... E- like For me, COVID is sort of a nice distraction from Newcastle at times. <laughs> I've only just very recently. It was the Sheffield United game that tipped me over the edge. I'm I'm, I'm very new to the cause of like everything is shit, and I'm still not full on uh, negative. Just because you know I want to take some some fun from it, but there's very little fun on offer. Uh, Alex Baguley says, "Is Kieran Clark the most underappreciated player we've had in recent memory?" Ever, he suggests, maybe. Um, I mean, Kieran Clark has just got a two-year uh, contract. He's 31. Speaking of new contracts, have you seen the Yedlin quotes this week? No. So Tell Yedlin's me. got six months to go on his contract, and he's telling, I think, NBC Sports that Bruce has put him back in the team, and he's not got a problem with the manager, but he wants to know what his situation is, if he's going to get a new contract or if he's going to be sold. His agents asked the club and the club have basically said, we'll get back to you and let you know. And then never got back to him at all. There's no communication from the club to the player about what's going to happen to him, which seems even for us really shitty. 
that doesn't is that that irregular? Yeah, is that exactly. not like? Yeah, you don't. You probably probably trying to, they're trying to work out. They've got a surplus of right backs. And yeah, but you'd still say we're going to sell you, or because the plan was to sell them in the summer. Yeah, and there's just or you'd, been, even if they went back to the player and said. Well, because of the nature of the takeover, we, we're expecting news from that. So and we'll keep you updated as best we can, but um, maybe start planning for life after Newcastle. Your contract ends in six months. Like, start planning for that. But, you know, keep us in mind if if we want to offer you another contract or something like we, we'd like to keep, you know, we'd like to have that opportunity. Then at least you're making part of the conversation and you're making him feel like, you know, there's a reason for the the delay in the decision instead of just radio silence, which just makes him feel completely, you know, not valued at all. Which, like, I don't think DeAndre Edlin's a fantastic right back for the Premier League or anything like that, but he's he's been a good, like, he's been a decent player for us, and he's he's never caused us any headaches. So mm. just treat him with a bit of respect. But then this is the same, um, this is the same regime that. <laughs> the, the text Ryan Taylor to tell him that he's he'd lost this job, like yeah, it's the same regime who who didn't offer like basically let Jonas Gutierrez go because he had cancer. Like, do do we expect anything from this regime other than completely disrespecting the players? I don't. Uh, well, the question was: Is Kieran Clark the most underappreciated player we've had in recent memory? Um, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But he has. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. I, Key, you could make a case for, or Modi Army. Did Key? So, maybe Modi Army. I don't remember Key ever asking anything. Well, well like maybe Taylor. Ryan Taylor and Gutierrez, yeah, they were massively un- underappreciated. I think the guess, is, I think he's sort of saying by Newcastle fans in general rather than the club. But, um, oh. No, I think I think like, most I people would say and given a new contract. Um, I think most fans would say that Kieran Clark is, if not the best centre half of the, the the club, he's he's in the conversation of that. You know, he's one player who this season his stock has risen i would say yeah he's he's in for our standards this season he's not had a bad season Mm. um what is the cause of joe linton's startling poor touch stone boots does hendrick know how to tackle he seems to just run next to the person carrying the football without ever getting (laughs) (laughs) just run just it's like he's um, documentary about football. He's like he's just gone. He's on there with a the GoPro. Like, I'm on the pitch with the guys right now. We used to say the other week. He just like he looks like a jogger who stumbled on there. It's all I can see now. When he's, uh... Do you remember the um, Zidane documentary? It was <laughs> yeah, just basically player cam on Zidane for a whole game. Can you imagine that on Hendrick? <laughs> Oh, going to run. She was like, oh. All right, okay, yeah, I've got my keys. I'll get some milk on the way home. See ya. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Geordie Ash says, I was very excited to see gloves off. 
But sadly, nothing changed. We offered nothing going forward, a 20% possession, and poor Carl Darlow still had more shots coming his way than a lass attempting to... Right, okay, that gets filthy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keep it up, listeners. Um, (laughs) Carl Darlow, while we're talking about Carl Darlow, um, Carl Darlow, I think you guys... I think you can make a case for him being Premier League Footballer of the Year. He has made... I mean, obviously, he's not going to be and obviously should. But, like, he has not made a mistake this season. He has made more good saves per game than any other goalkeeper in the league. That's because he has been afforded the opportunity to do so. But... I don't think there's a goalkeeper in the Premier League who's had as good a season as he has and still yet ha- somehow managed to concede about three goals a game. <laughs> but, I think if you were picking the Premier League team of the year now, he'd be, you'd have to consider him. You would, I don't think he would get in there because it would just seem so ridiculous. But, um, if, it, if it was on importance to the team, like the team that he represents, or if it was on, um, I don't know, shot-stopping ability, then yeah. But his distribution's poor. And, like, it could be because he's, he's receiving it under pressure and there's nothing actually to hit or, or whatever, but his distribution's poor. His, his shot-stopping... Is is superb, and I'm, uh, you know I'd, I'd happily have him first choice keeper until he drops a clanger. But in terms of like best in the league, he's not Allison's. I'm not better. saying he's no, no, he's not like team of the year. Uh, no, I think I no, think Allison's I had a better. I don't season. think he should be that. But I'm just saying he does. Uh, he is. He gets an opportunity to do a lot. And um, uh, Julia says also says if Bruce stays, we're relegated, right? I mean, I won't do percentages again because it's only one game on from the last time we did that. But the more you look at it, I feel like Fulham and West Brom could both, they're at a turning point now where they could both maybe get themselves out of the relegation zone. And and I I think it's certainly a candidate to get dragged into it. Well, I certainly think that um, Fulham, are, Fulham are starting to, I don't know, they, they are playing some nice football and they're starting to see the rewards for it. Whether that's sustainable or not, you know, it, it could just be a, a purple patch for the players that matter. But West Brom have brought in a survival specialist and for all the criticism I will lay at his feet, Sam Allardyce can get a team to start picking up point in a bit again and that's all they need to get to like 36 points so they could drag themselves out of it just by getting a, a point in a bit again and where our confidence is clearly so low at the moment for a number of reasons many of them are valid but we have just there was a little period there a week or two ago where we put in a couple of all right performances where things looked like they were going in the right direction. Mm. Like the Liverpool game, for example, the best example of that being. But we didn't get anything out of it. So essentially we didn't get any points out of that. And now we're playing absolute dog shit again. And and, and then you you really wonder where the next point might come from. I think Bruce has yeah. created a problem for himself 
through his Sheffield United team selection that was yeah. so negative that he was forced to respond to pick a really inappropriate team for the Arsenal game, considering we'd just drawn with Arsenal over 90 minutes playing five at the back the week before. But he backed that off that. into a corner. But I think in Villa and Leeds coming up, I don't think they'll be as hard as they would be at other times in the season. So I think he'll have, at the very least, those two games. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a few points in those two. Well, um, both both Villa and Leeds have lost the last two games. Um, so, and Villa are going to be without uh, Dean Smith and McGinn for the next game, which is against us. So, it, there are opportunities there. Uh, Leeds have got a terrible defence. Um, you know, they they do give up lots of opportunities. So, if if Steve Bruce wants to stick with this four four two and try and play on the t- on the front foot and just make a slight tweak to it, I think you know getting something from the Leeds game isn't impossible. Um, Aston Villa, don't know. Like it's 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 tough to say, but there are opportunities to pick up it points, is, and I do think we'll pick how, up enough to survive. It is amazing how absolutely impossible it is. To predict what our lineup or formation will be, any yeah, I've absolutely no clue. All I know is that if fit, Wilson is first choice, and it seems at the moment like Joe Linton might be. But like, if yeah. if fit, Wilson is first choice, uh, Darlow is first choice. I think we've had eleven yeah. different midfield partnerships so far. Yeah. We've only played eighteen games. That's yeah. insane. You know, some of them forced it, forced it in injury. Mm. Last game would seem like, well, come on, let's just give it a go with Hayden and Matty Lonstaff. Let's just give them three games in a row or something and see if that. Yeah. But I think as well, training good. training must be mad. You said, okay, we're training four at the back this week. Okay, we're back five this week. Okay, we're back four again this week because we had a shit game with the back five. Well, that didn't quite work. So we're going back five again because we conceded three goals. We're just going to shore things what we'll, up. But what we'll do is in this back five, instead of being a back five, it'll become a 3-4-3 three, three when we're attacking. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's all over the shop. And, like, again, going back to something you said ages ago, he he flits between these things. The minute it goes wrong, he just he sacks it off. And then the other thing that I was thinking is that he never seems to pick a team with the game that follows on his mind. Like we, like you'd see it with, um, even with Pardew, with Hutton, with Benitez, there were times where he'd make changes to a winning side because this opposition he reckons he can beat without his best um, midfielder or without his most attacking winger or something because the game after this one is against a much tougher tougher opposition, so we absolutely need this guy fit and we need him rested and we need him at 100%. Bruce doesn't seem to do that. He just seems to go like, fuck it, let's give this a go. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to rattle through now because... Um, we're running out of time. We're, yeah, we're, we're in danger of doing a four-hour pod. Um, uh, Paul M says, how many more abject performances before Bruce finally gets sacked, assuming he doesn't fluke another result? I mean, I think none of us really know, but we know it'll probably be at the last possible moment, right? It'll be too late, I think. 
it feels a lot like the McLaren season in that. Yeah, I think I think we drop into the bottom three um, for a couple of weeks, and he'll go, which could be in the next. I don't know. Two weeks after this. Okay. Uh, Theo Penn says, "How key is ASM now? When he's back, surely we can't rely solely on him him to keep us up." I mean, isn't Saint Maximum? We keep talking about him coming back. Is he even in training at the moment? Yeah, yeah. He has, but he. From what we hear, I mean, he was to, for him. He just had COVID really quite bad, right? Same as Lascelles, really. He was out a little bit longer than Lascelles, and Lascelles is back now. So I think, well, hopefully he's he's getting back to fitness. But but I think he is crucial to our sort of hopes of if we want to get away from relegation quickly. He him coming back is the sort of boost that could see us pick up enough points to feel safe. But pre-COVID, he really, I mean. He really didn't do anything since he signed that contract, did he? He really wasn't looking good. I know. I remember Shearer commenting on that. Yeah. He, even though he wasn't looking good, he just by virtue of him being on the pitch, the team looked better because there's somebody who can carry the ball. There's somebody who can uh, occupy a couple of defenders. There's there's somebody who we can look to the release. Whereas with without him on the pitch, you you're asking Joe Linton to do that, and Joe Linton yeah. just can't. So. He is key. I don't think he'll maybe necessarily get the assists or goals to keep us up, but he'll just change the way that we play. Stephen M. Sharp says, there is a lot of chatter about our players not being good enough. Possible to take the blame away from Spruce. Do you all think a proper manager could take the current squad to the top half by the end of the season? Um, I guess anything's possible. Well, to get into the top half, we need 10 points. I mean, yeah, it's possible. Well, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's possible. But we, we, um, with the, the right manager, 100%, definitely. The new appointment the was half. made now, and some things went our way, and there was some new manager bounce. We, I don't think we have a side that, all things being equal, I don't think we have a top 10 side, but I think we have a side that has the potential on a good season to be a top 10 size. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think our natural position with this squad would be about 12th, 13th, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think if last season we finished, what was it, 14th, 13th? And then added a top striker. So I think there's, I think we could feasibly be a top half team with that lineup, with the players mm-hmm. we brought in as well. We've got Jeff Hendrick. You remember that. One up and gaming says, "Why don't we just play?" One up gaming says, "Why don't we just play Championship Manager ninety seven, ninety eight, and pretend we still have a good squad?" But in reality, who would want to become our manager? Anyone want, that wants to do things without answering to a certain person just wouldn't get hired. And we already have a yes man. I mean, as I've there said before, I think there's actually quite a lot of. There's only so many. Uh, Premier League manager jobs and there's a lot of managers who would like to manage in the Premier League so there are a lot of managers maybe not like Pochettino but there are a lot of managers Mm. who would take the job just because they want to manage in the Premier League so two people that I think would definitely take the role um, Eddie Howe 
I think, would take the role. And there's a quote from him from a while ago where he says, sometimes you don't have the training that you want, or the, the training facilities that you want. Sometimes you don't have the squad that you want, but you just make do with it as best you can. Um, and that's been doing the rounds on Twitter is like, see, this this proves that he would happily work for Mike Ashley. I, I don't know if that's the case, but it certainly, I certainly think he would take the job. I think Mark Hughes would take the job in an instant. Um, I think any manager, those two are chief amongst them that have been out of the game for a while, the chance to get a run at the Premier League on a short-term basis with a squad that should really be finishing around about mid-table, you know, like bomb, bomb of the mid-table area. I think they they jump for the chance, especially if, if I'd, I mean, if it's often on get, a sorry, maybe we'd get some new manager bounce out of it. But I think that would be I, enough. I, I, yeah, I put Mike, Mark Hughes in the same category as Steve Bruce. Oh yeah, the longer yeah. the longer Hughes was in the job, the more likely it is that we'd regress into a dangerous position. But new manager bounce. Um, say what you like about Eddie Howe and Mark Hughes; they do have. You can see a Mark Hughes team. You can see uh, an Eddie Howe team. The way that they play, and the players seem to enjoy us. I'd love Eddie Howe for us. Eddie Howe's not as uh, fashionable as he was a few years ago, but I still think he could be good for us. I think as well, compared to previous seasons, like after Rafa was sacked, I think a lot of managers turned us down before they got to Bruce on their list. I think Mm. you would have been a manager looking at our squad and just thought, that's that's a relegation squad. I think now you would look at the signings we made last summer you'd also think a takeover could happen and I could be in the driving seat for that. I think we're much more of a prospect for managers now. And you think like the managers that are willing to go to like Watford when they're in the Premier League, knowing that they're probably going to get sacked within a year and they're not going to have any say in their signings. I think managers will put up with a lot. Mm. And I think also if it's sold in that way that look, this is a short term deal, it's to the end of the, the, the season because we're hoping that the club will be taken over, then they basically got carte blanche. They've got like free run of it because if they keep us up, they've they've done the job. They're now reintroduced back to the, the Premier League as a Premier League manager. And if the, the new owners say, Well, we'll give you the rest, like we'll give you next season with these additions to the playing staff and this commitment to the facilities and stuff, even better for them. Like there's no real, like if they go down, they can say, well, that fucking Bruce brought in terrible players and he he ruined their confidence and I didn't have time to change things around. If he gets the time to do it to the end of the season, then it's the same as Benitez. Benitez was like, he didn't have to stay with us in the championship, but he, he if he'd left when we were relegated, he could have got another job in the Premier League like that. So our next game is against Aston Villa. It's on Saturday night. Saturday night. And <laughs> the game is on Sky. It's a glamour tie. Play your football. It's a glamour tie. Villa away. No fans in. What go. you gonna wear for it? <laughs> um, well, I actually now own. I never used to have Newcastle shirts, like all through like my childhood. But now I own about three, and I just sort of like every now and again, if we're playing, I'll put one on at home and just sort of like 
shamefully look at my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe I'll wear one of my Newcastle tops. Oh. Um, so, oh, yeah, better away. As you said, Dave, they've lost the last couple of games, but, you know, we've just wow. played Sheffield United recently <laughs> and they've lost about the last 20. <laughs> well, I've looked at... I've looked at the games that they've lost, and it's no fucking surprise, really. They uh, they beat Crystal Palace, and then it was a draw away at Chelsea, a loss away at Man U, a loss at home to Liverpool, and then a loss away to Man City. So it's okay. not like you know what I mean. Yes, yes, they've lost those games, but they've they're tough, tough games. They, they will like if Dean Smith has anything about him, he will have looked at that fixture list and identified Newcastle United at home to be the, the one that he's going to get all three points from. Yeah. Sure. They'll, yeah, that's fair to say they'll be going for three points. Will we go for the gloves off 4-4-2 for getting to put on a winger style of play, or will we go for the cautious please can I have a point please five at the back nobody nobody please <laughs> approach what which one will we go for I, I I reckon it'll be a mixture of the two I reckon we'll name a, like, we'll set up with a 4-4-2 but be so shit scared that we won't actually attack like a 4-4-2 Paul I think well, there's a few things I hope rather than think. So I think, as we've said, there's no way of predicting what the lineup is going to be in our games. I'm hoping Joel Linton as a winger experiment is finished, but I think purely because of his price tag, he's almost it, that guarantees him an extra 20 starts a season because he's too big to fail for the club, which seems mental. I, th- I would like to see... I don't know if St. Baxman's going to be in contention for this. I'd like to see Almiron carry on, keep his place. Hayden should be coming back in. I think Shelby shouldn't be picked on the back of that last performance. I think yeah, he'll keep think- four at the back. And I think as well, the first half against Arsenal showed that you, just because you have four at the back doesn't mean you can't defend. There seems to be a fear amongst, I don't know if it's our players or what, they seem to think they can only defend well with five at the back. Surely the, the, the thing with Joe Linton now, the, the smart business move would be to send him out on loan to somewhere that he must still have some, in Germany, for example, some remaining reputation, the reputation mm. we gave in the price tag that we bought where people would want to put a part on him as a loan player and then maybe we could recoup some of the value. It's like Palace did with that. Is it Sorloth who they signed? Rubbish for them. Sent him on loan to Turkey, couldn't stop scoring and then, I can't remember where he's gone, but gone to a much bigger club than Palace, I think. Right. Well, like, there's at the moment, every game Joe Linton plays, his value drops yeah yeah i would i would absolutely send him out on loan this window absolutely 
Uh, I don't care that it leaves us a man down because <laughs> he's no fucking loss. Yeah. I don't, like, just just send him out on loan. Like, him playing on that left side stops players like Matt Ritchie getting a start. I think Matt Ritchie is the sort of player we need when we've got this lack of fight. Just just to touch on something where you yeah. said like so, um, nobody knows how to play, like the players don't seem to have faith in defending in a 4-4-2 or a back four rather. I think it's because they remember from the previous manager how to defend in a five at the back because Benitez never really played four at the back. He was always, it was usually a five at the back. So I think they're used to that and I don't think they've been coached properly how to defend at four at the back. But I think in the championship we were four at the back all the time under Benitez with largely the same players. And if you're a footballer, most of your yeah, career was played in a back four. It's not like yeah, they're being asked to play like overlapping centre backs like Sheffield United last season. It's not they're being asked to get point. back to the sort of default. So actually no Dave, actually no. <laughs> Sorry, but one more comment like that, and you're off this podcast. It's been a good run, Dave. I'm but... absolutely furious with you, Dave. I can't look at the screen. I can't look at you. <laughs> so, so uh, swipe from the points. Should we throw in a prediction for the Villa game, Dave? Give us a scoreline. 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil to Villa. Paul? 1-0 Villa. Oh, come on. We've got to get a goal. 2-1 Villa. <laughs> That's the optimist. That's the optimist. All right. Should we talk no, about that's... the Leeds one as well? Because we've yes. got that on Tuesday. Saturday, Tuesday feels... That's the sort of quick turnaround you only get with successful football teams. Let's <laughs> pretend going? we're in the Champions League. So we've got a big Champions League tie against Leeds on Tuesday night. Uh, we're at home. Uh, it'll be. It's after the uh, the 5-0... Uh, battering. If I was on Football Manager, then uh, I'd be clicking. Uh, we need to avenge the last performance, whatever that one is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Leeds could go either way, couldn't it? They they seem to have. I I felt like they had quite a strong chance of uh, of. of being comfortably safe, but I almost feel like they could get dragged down now. They've been. Yeah, this they're doing what every Bielsa team does, which is just losing energy second half of the season. Yeah. I mean, they were sort of lucky with... I can't remember who they There was a female commentator got in trouble with mm. Villa fans, uh, Villa, Leeds fans, for saying they were sort of COVID-suited them. But it really did from the championship because yeah. it, it gave them the break I, that otherwise they would have dropped off with and got them over yeah, the line. I, I, I could not, for the life of me, understand how, why they were getting angry when previous seasons Leeds would run out of steam and their players were exhausted by the end of the season. So they did get a break. So COVID did help them get promoted. So, yeah, I agree with Paul. Yeah. I don't understand their, their fury. However, I think they've got enough in their tank to, to comfortably stay up. I mean, what's, where are they now? They're like um, 12th. Uh, 23 points yeah they're comfortable they're like they're 12 points clear of the uh, 11 points clear of the relegation battle they're fine surely one of these games at some point we are going to get a point 
We're not I gonna think lose. we might. I think we might beat Leeds. I think I'm going to go with that. Yeah, Leeds is going to be the moment where we get a victory, and we are going to beat them one nil. Two nil loss. I'm going to say two one win. Jesus, you you two are applying the gambler's fallacy. No, I understand what you're saying. No, I'm I'm familiar with it. I'm applying the Bielsa fallacy of his teams just knackered after Christmas. Yeah, but they've got a break now of when we play them on Tuesday. So when did, when was their last game? Well, they were meant to be playing today, I think, and it was called off. Yeah, today so that was pers- Wednesday as we recorded. So they're, they're going to have a week and a week and three days off. They're going to have 10 days off, basically. That's, that's time to recharge the batteries. Maybe. But at the moment, on form, we are probably the worst side in the Premier League, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we are going to get another point this season, I would hope, which means we're yeah. going to get that point in a game where you wouldn't think that we would get it. And I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just for a bit of fun. Maybe it'll be Leeds. I think as well, we've talked about St. Maximin coming back. I think that will be a lift for our own players. I think a lot of the confidence problems we're seeing will be slightly less of a problem with him back in the team. You might be right, yeah. Because there is just no real ideas on there. I think Wilson needs a rest is the other thing. I'm not sure as tired as he looks playing Saturday and then Tuesday is ideal. And Gale, I'm not sure why Gale wasn't on the bench against mm. Arsenal. Yeah, but I feel I like absolutely. Wilson's going to play 90 minutes in both games. Yeah, I, I honestly think they should play um, Wilson against Villa and Gale against uh, Leeds, because Leeds provide you more chances than Villa do. And Gale needs more chances to put one away. And Wilson's a, a better striker than Gale, so play him against the better defence. And give them like 70 minutes and then just swap them. Okay, you said that now, but you'd go mad if we didn't, if we didn't play Wilson against Villa, wouldn't you? I literally smash just said we should play. I, lit- I literally just said play Wilson against Villa and play Gale against Leeds. I literally said that. Okay. I Listen so. back. Yeah. Just rewind the tape. <laughs> Fucking rewind the tape. Play back the tape, man. Play back the tape. Okay. Thanks. I would rather argue with what I think you said than what you actually said. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Are you my wife? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let's leave it there. <laughs> um, okay, that'll be my title. I, my wife, and um, we'll finish up there. Uh, thank you very much. I know that this is a very difficult time for all of us. What a, sh- I mean, what a shit year it's been in so many respects. But at least we still have each other. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. And thank you to you, Steve Bruce, for all the fun you've given. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, goodbye.
Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.